Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's going on? This is Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin Creed, and you're listening to Stan, Rowe, and Camus on the SGP Podcast. Shut up, Camus! Are you ready? Going on the beat! You're listening to the SGP podcast. Sakai Bros. Yeah, 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 bro, 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 Sakai Bros. Yeah, 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 bro, 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 Sakai Bros. Yeah, 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 bro, 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 Sakai Bros. Yeah, 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 bro, 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 bro. You are listening to the longest running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the SGP podcast and this is your boy, Ro Moran, and we have a weird episode of the show this week. Uh, due to a number of reasons, like Stan being in Japan, Kamos being sick, Chino being unable to drive anywhere, uh, we are recording the show from different places at different times. We're not even on the same call. We're not doing this uh, through Skype or anything. You're literally just putting together an entire episode from from individual recordings. So it's pretty much like a mixtape, if you will, of the SGP podcast this week. So on to uh, some matters before we get to the meat of the show. So how, how, how this is going to work is basically... Thomas came up with this, and we're going to talk about, we're each going to talk about different things from the week in wrestling. So, Chino has elected to talk about Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia. Kamus uh, has chosen to talk about NJPW Dominion over the weekend. And I'm going to go talk about uh, 205 Live, really. Uh, it's been an underrated show in the past couple of weeks they've been building up as you know they've been building up their 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 little roster their little title scene because they don't have a singular top face or a top heel if you will to go up against a cruiserweight champion Tony Nice and uh, I've been suggesting this on my on my 205 live review on smarthenry.ph that they should be doing as much as they can to build up as many people in the division as possible. So, and they're doing exactly this right now. They, uh, right now they have after last week's main event, they've got or this week's main event. Sorry, they've got an unusual or unclear, pretty vague cruiserweight championship situation. There was a fatal four way of. Uh, on the main event of 205 Live this week, there was a fatal four-way to, to determine the new number one contender. And it ended in a bit of a double count, a double pin, double pinfall situation where both Akira Tazawa and Drew Gulak ended up pinning each other. 
So it looks like we're going to get a triple threat at Stomping Grounds. And the thing, the, the weird thing about, I mean, not the, that's weird, but the great thing about this is that even with two other guys losing in the match, they are doing as much as they can to build up as many people as possible. So you got a lot of guys waiting in the wings. You've got, uh, you got Mike Canellis, who isn't in the match, but is likely heading toward some sort of climax, some sort of confrontation with the 205 Live general manager, Drake Maverick. And you've got uh, Drew Gulak, Akira Tozawa, Arya Davari, Oni Lorcan. We're all getting some prime time on the show. And then you've got newcomers on the show as well. Chad Gable, who makes his way over from SmackDown for the main roster. And you would realize that, oh yeah, he is actually uh, under 205. And it's good that these guys could still go down to 205 Live to the Cruiserweight division and, you know, make sure they're wrestling career isn't going nowhere it's not ideal but at this point you are looking at raw and smackdown that is in disarray you don't know uh you don't have any sort of sense of cohesion between the two main roster shows because uh the wild card rule and a lot of shane mcmahon is just hogging up the the spotlight and and taking away precious time from uh, deserving wrestlers so if you're going to watch anything that is uh, the WWE you're probably better off watching the network show so that's 205 Live, NXT and NXT UK because at this point they are doing their best to put on as much actual wrestling in the show as possible Yeah. so, so if you're still holding on to some hope for the WWE then your best bet is to go for the network shows but if of course, there is anything else that you'd like to watch other outside the WWE, then, of course, you know by now that there is a whole lot of other options for you to catch. And one of them is uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And you've seen the news over the weekend, other than uh, John Moxley finally appearing for NJPW last week, we've seen the former Hideo Itami, Kenta, make his uh, NJPW appearance, his first appearance debut on uh, the Dominion show over the weekend. And wow, it's, it's really just heating up. The, the war between NJPW and WWE and AEW, while there may not be an overt war, it's really something to sink your teeth into because... Uh, People are getting access to the best wrestling all over the world. And if you are just hanging your hat at, in just one company, then you're, you're really just missing out. And with us to, to, to talk about NJPW and Dominion and, you know, to go a little more in-depth with that, with that show, I'm going to take you guys through, I'm going to take you guys to Kamos at this point, And he's going to talk about Dominion right now. Hi, this is Raf Kamos, and I'm supposed to be talking about NJPW's Dominion, but first, let me get this bit out. Congratulations to the Toronto Raptors 
and to the Canadian members of the PWR family. Namely, I'm looking at you, Iron Ref. And in a special way also, because it is his birthday today, happy birthday, Zayden Trudeau. And that's all I will be saying about the NBA Finals for this year. So put all of the basketball things in the back burner because we got a lot of Japanese wrestling to talk about and no one to stop us. So in actuality, New Japan usually books Dominion as the second biggest show of the year. Now, that's a lot saying something. That's a lot to say considering the scale of what Wrestle Kingdom has become. But Dominion this year didn't feel as high stakes as, I don't know, the, the tension wasn't there. That is usually there in year, like in years past, like last year. Take last year, for example. Last year, we got Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada, the two out of three falls match where Kenny finally won. And that had everything, you know, everything was riding on that one big match. In this show, we had a lot of small things going on that contributed to a good show, not a great show. Admittedly, the Japanese audience even threw beers in the ring because they didn't like the finish of the main event. But it wasn't a bad show. Like, it is, it's one of those, when you look at it in the lens of what most of us look at wrestling as, which is a Western perspective. Like, not everyone is a puro wrestling purist. I'm not. And clearly, when you're looking at the ending, it's like, that wasn't so bad. Because Jericho lost to Okada in the same manner that Okada beat Kenny for the first fall in last year's Dominion show. Great callback. But at the same time, it wasn't the kind of match that you got out of Kenny versus Okada last year. We saw a lot of chair use. We saw a lot of weapon use. And it was very much a NJPW Jericho type match where he's healing it up, he's changing it up, he's making things interesting for a Japanese audience that isn't used to this. But when you see him, you know, completely go unhinged, there's nothing wrong with it from a Western perspective. But Japanese audiences who are coming into this show thinking, this is the second biggest show of the year. We deserve to see something definitive and you get a finish like that, might be upset. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because we did get a card that from top to bottom gave us a lot to be happy about if you enjoy non-WWE style wrestling. And admittedly, there were a lot of standouts here. Let's start with one of the harder hitting matches, which was, well, some of the people that I interact with have called it a mirror match between the very, very old Satoshi Kojima versus his cloned, younger, not quite a junior, junior version in Shingo Takagi. We got lariats after lariat after lariat, and it was so much fun for me to watch because I appreciate hard-hitting matches and seeing Shingo do this and then declare for the G1 made my heart happy. So there's that type of strong style that if you wanted to see it, here's a good example of it. It's not WWE style, but it works for us. 
next stop, like for me, what stood out was seeing the seeds be planted for an eventual Jushin Thunder Liger versus Minoru Suzuki match down the line. Um, as some of you may know, this is like this is the this is the retirement run for Liger and this being Dominion, him being on the card in a tag match with Yoshihashi against Suzuki Gun with Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. is fitting. And for for you to see uh, Liger, not at his best yet, but to see the man that he is potentially lining up for the Tokyo Dome, this makes sense to me. And I like it a lot. Now... Further down on the card, we did have Tai Chi losing his never open weight, his never open weight championship to Tomohiro Ishii, which was for the most part not unsurprising but very welcoming. I enjoyed this a lot because Ishii is showing that he is the never open weight man and he deserves to have that title. It's one of those it will become synonymous with him for eternity. And I want it this way. And I know that these are long shows, but I'm really just going to skip to the last three matches where things really got way out of hand. The analogy that I like to use for, for this show in particular is it feels like the last 20 minutes of, a, of an Indiana Jones film. Because when you watch that, you see that Everything starts to make sense. Everything just keeps rising and rising and getting better and better and better and more intense. And then you get some resolution at the end. So the first of those matches would be Dragon Lee versus Will Ospreay. Dragon Lee was holding the junior heavyweight championship and lost it to the aforementioned BOSJ winner, Will Ospreay. Now, Ospreay is the kind of man that New Japan has been building up as a credible threat to anyone, juniors, or on the heavyweight division. But seeing him fly like this in back-to-back outings, so the BOSJ finals, and then this at Dominion, it is a strong year for Osprey. And that's considering that he's had so much to build on in the past year. The classics with Hiromu, the neck-cringing moments that he has fought or Skrull with. There is so much potential that is being realized under Will Ospreay. And I know not everyone loves his Twitter game, but seeing him in the ring absolves him of all sins. The man can is a great storyteller and at this point I do not see why he like barring any injury the man should and can be in this year's G1 and be interesting that's not a hot take there's actual news going about that but more on that later next up we have Kota Ibushi who almost died again versus Tetsuya Naito in an Intercontinental Championship. So, at this point, much has been said about Ibushi's neck and how much, how much punishment it can stand. This match is 
one of those case in point instances where you look at him and you say, you are a fucking madman. Why do you have to do this to entertain people? And yet, most of the time it makes sense. But in this case, there is a highlight gif that has gone viral since the show of him taking uh, taking something on the apron and landing squarely on his neck very hard and then just ricocheting off and finishing the match. Now, I know that Naito versus Ibushi is special. Always has been. Always will be. In For, for all intents and purposes, I really enjoy this matchup. But the problem is, if Ibushi dies because of neck injuries along the way, we're not going to get this special matchup anymore. So, it is great to see Naito win the IC Championship again. But at the end of the day, I cannot, cannot take Ibushi trying to paralyze himself again and again and again. Okay? Because... At the end of the day, I want Ibushi in the G1. Ibushi in the G1 has been compelling over the past few years. But, my God, why do you have to keep doing this to yourself, sir? Okay? So, after this, you have the main event. We, I touched on it earlier, but I do have to add that this is this match was fine. But the setup for the G1 again, or... For storylines moving forward for Okada, Jericho, and surprisingly, Hiroshi Tanahashi are, for all intents and purposes, fine. Like, I don't, I'm not going to complain about seeing a potential Tana versus Jericho match down the line, especially after this, well, slightly sour taste finish for a lot of people. But I want to see. Jericho actually wrestle Tanahashi at the peak of his abilities. The thing is, Tana has been, and it showed in his match earlier, he seems to still have that lingering elbow injury. And if this prevents Tana from being in the G1, that might screw it. But if that leaves him open to fighting, to fighting Jericho, end of it all, like on the final day of the G1 special, like that final G1 show, or at the G1 special that's happening in Texas, all well and good. But this year's G1 did get a lot of setup at Dominion. So, the people who did want to join or throw their name in the hat for whatever block or whatever seating, because we still don't know who is in definitively, but between Moxley, Shingo, Will Ospreay, and Chris Jericho, we have started a field that has a lot of big names, a couple of AEW names at that, and it might just be one of those ventures where, you know, this is going to be a special G1. But that was made even more special with the announcement of one man, Katsuyori Shibata, who came out to announce that Kenta, the man formerly known as Hideo Itami, is now under the New Japan brand. Now, a lot of people were losing their minds because 
ever since he was granted his release, Kenta did return to pro wrestling Noah. But as many have stated online and in show reports, Noah is not the same Noah that he left WWE. You know, he left behind when he went to WWE. When he came back, it wasn't the same place. It wasn't the same level of competition. So where does he, where does Kenta get to go and ply his trade? New Japan. And what is the best way to enter into New Japan? The G1. So if you if you don't know the gravity of all of this, let me just put it into perspective. It's it's so surreal to see Hideo Itami, formerly known the man formerly known as Hideo Itami, in a New Japan ring at this point in his career. Because so many were saying he was washed. So many people were saying that he was done. So many people were saying he has no reason to go back home because all he's going to be going home to is a broken down Noah. But guess what? He's now in New Japan and ready to fuck shit up. Now, are we going to get to see the killer version of him that we saw right before WWE introduced him to us but ruined altogether? I think that is a strong possible yes. But at the same time, I want this. He's not going to win. He's not going to win the G1. But he will make an impact in this year's tournament field. So with Dominion in hindsight, we have a lot of setup for later in the year. We have a lot to be happy about. We have a lot to look forward to moving forward. But as a whole, the show doesn't fall flat. But that main event finish does leave a bad taste in a couple of mouths. The action was very diverse and I enjoyed myself. You should do yourself a favor and check this out if you want to see some of the best that New Japan can put out and to get a little hyped and excited for this one, this year's G1 season. If you come in knowing that you're not going to be getting WWE wrestling per se, you're going to come out on the other side of it very, very happy. And trust me, even if you did enjoy AEW's Double or Nothing, this show will be one of your best introductions to some of their highest talent in John Moxley, who is now your IWGP US champion, and father to Shoto Mino or Captor? I don't know. It's a very funny saga that's playing out in memes online and it makes me happy. But also Chris Jericho, who main evented this. So those two AEW guys are doing good things in New Japan. There is some relationship there. No, there is no relationship there. Those guys are definitively independent contractors and it just feels like this is what we deserve. The wrestling that we deserve in 2019. It's good stuff, it's diverse stuff, and it feels right, man. So, do yourself a favor, watch Dominion. I am actually more excited about it, and the incoming G1, upcoming G1 um, slug that starts in July, and the couple of tours that they're doing in between now and then. So, tune in for that. New Japan has a lot that's coming up. 
outside of the and this is proof that outside the WWE there is still wrestling. There's a lot of good wrestling. And this podcast will cover it. So don't lose hope, guys. Wrestling is great. And speaking of international wrestling, and this is just a very quick PWR shill because I know that at the time, by the time this episode is out, we will now know that PWR GM Watch has acquired the talents for this upcoming show, Pak Ganern, for one AEW featured talent in the Hawk of OWE? Yes. Yes, guys. That came out. And I, um, I for one, I'm excited to know who he's facing. Crab Gamus still does not have a match, so he's going to put himself over that way. But at the end of the day, we know that no way in heck Watch is going to give me T-Hawk. But T-Hawk will be at PWR Live back Ganern. Breaking news. Not so breaking news. It's on this podcast and it's kind of cool. Okay? So, up next, we do have Andre Bigudala's take. Okay, Chino Liao. Chino Liao, sorry. No more basketball nga pala. No? <laughs> we do have Chino Liao here to talk about the shit show. That was the Saudi Arabia super special. I really, really, really do not want to get into this too much. But here we go. Passing the mic over to my man, Chino. WWE Super Showdown was this weekend over at uh, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. This is the third pay-per-view held in that part of the world part of WWE's uh, 10-year deal with the government of Saudi Arabia. Now, um, the the pay-per-views in Saudi Arabia don't really have the best record. They aren't really the most well-reviewed as far as match quality and overall event quality are concerned. We can go all the way back to the very first uh Saudi Arabia show called Greatest Royal Rumble where we had the infamous Titus O'Neil World Slide uh, being the whole the, the very peak of the entire show uh, and then you can go as far back as Crown Jewel and see a bunch of retired or semi-retired wrestlers like HBA, HBK rather coming out of the woodwork to get him some of that Saudi oil money. Uh, now I get that Saudi Arabia uh, wants to um, reboot their image, but I don't think the best way to do that is through the WWE because as far as anybody else is concerned, Vince McMahon doesn't know how to say no. Uh, especially when billions of uh, billions of dollars are concerned. A lot of the people booked or that were supposed to be booked for this show decided against it. They did not fly out superstars like Kevin Owens. They didn't fly out to Saudi Arabia stating family uh, concerns. His family was against it. Also, people like Sami Zayn who has a staunch, who is 
part Arab, of course, has a staunch belief um, against what the government of Saudi Arabia is doing, as well as, you know, all the female superstars uh, who weren't booked at all on the show because of you know, Muslim reasons, shall we say. Uh, Saudi Arabia really has such a dicey uh, history as far as equality is concerned and not having a single female match on the card is not surprising but at the same time not the best way forward for the for the country in terms of using wrestling as a means to reboot this whole industry. But we're not here to shit on Saudi Arabia. I'm not a political commentator. I am a wrestling analyst or critic, wrestling critic. And I would like to say that as far as pay-per-views go, WWE Super Showdown 2019 is at the bottom of the barrel. They were they were scraping that barrel pretty thinly. Um, it started off with the WWE Universal Championship between Seth Rollins, Baron Corbin, and an interrupting Brock Lesnar. Now, a lot of people have mixed feelings about what Brock Lesnar can, uh, is as, um, as the beast in the bank. But I f- like what he's actually doing, how he's trawling everybody with the briefcase, using it as a boombox, dangling it in front of everybody. He did the same thing with the universal title. That the main difference between this and the title is that the ti- this, that the money in the bank briefcase doesn't have uh, to be in the show every week. Not unlike the title, not unlike a champion. The figure head that we're supposed to see on TV so in that case for me they found a better role for Brock he doesn't have to wrestle full weeks you know he doesn't have to wrestle a full schedule rather and he also doesn't have to uh, cash the money in the bank briefcase right away it's win-win for him right now however in the match itself I feel like they could have done things a little bit differently uh, everything felt like a mismatch of different things. And as a result, the chemistry of it all really doesn't work out. It was just very confusing and very, very uh, disappointing, to say the least. And as the match went on, uh, a number of different things happened. We had a match between Randy Orton and uh, the game Triple H, wherein we saw Randy Orton put away uh, the King of Kings. Because, what is this, 2005? Okay, right? We'll move on. Also, uh, worthy note, uh, worthy note here, uh, the game and Randy Orton wrestled the longest match of the night. Um, Why that had to be the case, I really don't know. Uh, But if Triple H wants to use his power to put himself over, uh, even if he did lose the match, uh, hats off to him. I mean, (laughs) that's what power is for, I guess. I wouldn't know. Uh, I would say that the biggest uh, moment in this whole event for me would have to be the 50-man battle royale. Now, I'm not saying that the match was perfect. Far from it. 
I mean, they could have found a better way to start this match because to have all 50 guys just in the ring at at the very start would actually be the most the largest mess uh, of a battle royal there ever was. Um, all 50 guys in the ring at the very start. There was barely any room for anybody to uh, move around. So, and how they gave the spots to all the different tag team hosses. Uh, that was also just it was it was a way for the WWE to fit their newer mid card guys in. Remember, Saudi Arabia is is only starting to welcome the WWE as far as wrestling is concerned. They're only familiar with guys like Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and as we'll see later on in the night, Undertaker and Goldberg. But uh. As far as everything else in this battle royal, the most the the most significant uh, thing to happen, the most significant spot is where Mansoor, a Saudi Arabian-born uh, superstar trainee, uh, shall we say, uh, won wins the whole thing, uh, and good for him. You know, it's not out of the norm to have the government put one of their guys over. It's it's pretty it's pretty non-surprising but also pretty special in a way uh, but the one thing everybody everybody needs to be talking about here and is actually talking about online and podcast all over the world uh, is the main event match between uh, Bill Oldberg and uh, the Undertaker. Uh, I had to force that one last putt in there for uh, relevancy. Um, but The Undertaker and Goldberg wrestled a 15-minute match. Of course, seven of those minutes were dedicated to The Undertaker's entrance. But regardless, this match had no right to be that long. Both guys are way past their prime. Now, granted that The Undertaker and Goldberg are top draws and were at one point the biggest stars of their respective companies. Uh, the Undertaker with the WWE and Bill Goldberg with WCW. Uh, but when it was all said and done, what we had were just two... 50-something wrestlers try and do moves of 20 or 30-something guys. Um, Age-wise, there was just a disparity in conditioning, especially for somebody like Goldberg, who doesn't even bump that often, even when he was at his peak. So for him to try and do what he does, what he did rather as a 20-year-old, it's just, it's disturbing to the eyes, you know. The, the botched uh, jackhammer, the botched tombstone, just everything was way too dangerous and, if anything, too uncomfortable than it had any right to be. It was just unnecessary uh, violence. 
and it could have been prevented. That is the one thing that we need to talk about here. It could have been prevented. Now, in the past week, super uh, superstars rather like Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, I'm all over myself here. Matt Riddle, Sasha Banks, as well as a host of other online wrestling critics have questioned the propensity of the WWE to even have this match on the card. Both these guys haven't seen the ring in the better part of a year. The Undertaker, we can admit that he is a stallion. Matt Riddle defends him. Jericho and all the other wrestlers defend him. But Goldberg, Goldberg I have a serious problem with. Bill Goldberg, who left the WWE 20, that's right, 20 years ago, decided to just come back and wrestle a match that everybody wanted to see. Sometimes some things are just better left to the imagination. Sometimes things are just better left on paper. Because then, then The Undertaker and Bill Goldberg would still have careers and legacies to protect. All right, there you have it. Camus and Chino with their with their respective takes on Dominion and Super Showdown. And before we wrap up this really strange episode of the SGP podcast, let us go and talk about MWF 9 Oras ng Liwanag, a Father's Day special real quick because this show is happening on Saturday, June 15. That's the day before Father's Day. It's another free show at the Venice Grand Canal Mall. So if you are looking to watch some Philippine wrestling, some local wrestling, you have no excuse, no excuse at all to miss this show. Uh, it's free. It's brought to you live by uh, MWF. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for all involved, for bringing the whole family right before uh, Father's Day. If you don't have any Father's Day plans yet, bring your whole clan, bring your whole dad, bring your dad, bring your son. If you're a dad, watch and bond over some Philippine wrestling. Uh, let's run down the card real quick. Uh, let's see what we have here. First, we have Fabio Makisig in action. Uh, he, there is no... There is no particular opponent booked for Fabio Makisig. So I think, uh, and I'm totally spitballing here. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not privy to any MWF plans, but this probably is a spot for uh, an important or, you know, uh, one big surprise for Fabio Makisig. So Fabio Makisig definitely impressed at the last show versus, uh, Joshi, ah, Joshi, Joshi Tule, uh, Puro Legend Tajiri. And that probably gives him enough momentum to take on another surprise, uh, you know, another high-caliber opponent here at Oras Liwanag. So whatever that is, that's probably one to watch out for. Next, uh, okay, real quick, there is this uh, Mushroom Cloud graphic. Um, it's been posted by itself. Okay, so... That mushroom cloud can only mean one thing. This is probably 
the guy we know as Nuke, possibly appearing at MWF uh, from that other promotion that we don't really want to name here. He was at that Goch Gus birthday show, so it wouldn't be a stretch if he were to suddenly appear at an, an official MWF show. So that's something to watch out for as well. Next, we have a match between Danger Rex Lawin versus the Young Bloods. The Young Blood. It's what it's. It's apparently oh, it's a handicap match. So if Rex Lawin loses, he must join the Young Blood and kiss the feet of his king, the King of Manila, Frankie Thirteen. This is going to be a tough one for Rex Lawin, and I don't know if he's going to make out of make it out of this one alive. Uh, best of luck to you, my friend. Uh, let's hope that you don't have to kiss the feet of uh, kiss the feet of Frankie. Next, we have a tag team match between the team of Lucha Donna and Canto Kelaba Terror versus the Luanag family, Jomar and Jarel Luanag. Uh, it's not looking good here for the, the, make, the makeshift ragtag tag team of Lucha Donna and Canto Terror because you know for a fact that the Luanag family is a well-oiled unit. So uh, I think it's pretty obvious, uh, probably pretty obvious who's going to win there. Then next, we have a one-on-one match between former friends Gig Striker versus RG, who is now with Gus Global. Uh, I guess we can call him a sellout now. Um, It's interesting to see that RG has turned on his former partner, his former running buddy back in the UP days, Gig Striker. And I would love to see where RG's character goes from here. Another matchup, uh, the former protégés, uh, the former mentor and protégé, if you will, Kyle Season uh, versus Mr. Lucha. So Mr. Lucha has been fighting, uh, has been fighting Ashra uh, in the past few shows, or you know, last year. And now I'm not. Uh, this time he's going to go up against his former mentee, his former protégé, Kyle Season. Uh, Kyle Season still got some beef to cook with Mr. Lucha, so it's going to be interesting here how this one goes down. And uh, of course, we have the main event. If I'm not mistaken, there's none uh, none other than an MWF Championship match between Robin Sane, the champ, and Moises Luanag, the patriarch of the Luanag family, and my boy uh, who is back, b- b- back from the dead, and. Uh, I'm okay. I wasn't at the last show. I'm gonna honestly say that I was not at the last show. So, and I've got no one here to correct it with me. My, the, Chino and Camos, who were at the last show, are not here to tell me uh, how this all ties together and how Moises Luana ends up getting the title shot against Robin Sane. But I do like this. I do like that Moises Luana is getting that shot because you know he's been away from the scene. He's been dead for a year and. It is a Father's Day special being the father of the Luanic family. So I do want to see how this one goes down. I do think that Robin Sane is much better in the chase uh, of a championship. But, of course, as we all know, he is among the best, if not the best, that MWF has to offer. So uh, I think that's all of it for our matches for MWF 9 Oras ng Liwanag, a Father's Day special. Don't forget, it is free. It is free. It is super free. 
at the Venice Grand Canal Mall at McKinley Hill Tagig. The show starts at 6 p.m. on June 15. That's the Saturday before Father's Day. Again, if you are looking for something to do over Father's Day, if you are still looking for plans for Father's Day, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong than you know going to a live wrestling show. It's free, so you got no excuse at all to miss this show. Okay, so that's it for this week's episode of the SGP Podcast. If you did not like it, we apologize for for not being up to par from our usual, uh, from our last run of uh, phenomenal episodes, if I do say so myself. It's just that things happen, life happened, life got in the way, and we had to do, we had to make do with what we had with our situations right now. And we hope that it was still uh, a good episode for you. Um, we hope you still enjoyed. If you did enjoy, please do take the time to like, to follow, to subscribe to this on on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because this is, of course, as you know, a Filipino wrestling podcast made by Filipino wrestling fans for Filipino wrestling fans. So if you enjoy the fact that there are locals, if there are local fans talking about wrestling on a medium that you frequent, then please do us a favor and leave us, you know, that good review, that 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 subscribe, that follow, that like, that download, that stream, and you know, boost our numbers, you know, because this shit ain't easy. Uh, it's not for free. And one day we would like to uh, we would like to say that we have some actual sponsorship on this show. That's pretty much it. Yeah, uh, no picks of the week uh, because we're not together. But if I can just leave you with a pick of the week, please do catch this week's main event of 205 Live. Uh, of course, there, there is a lot of good wrestling going around. Uh, be sure to catch all of that. No matter what you like, no matter what you don't like, there's something else for you. There's something here for you. And uh, don't forget to catch auto, uh, MWF 9 Autosong Luana, the Father's Day special. Don't forget to catch that. And of course, PWR Live Pak Ganern is happening in a couple of weeks, June 30, Sunday, uh, we'll get to talk about that uh, as the show draws closer. But uh, the biggest the biggest announcement that is about the show that has been made as of now is that there is an eight-man champ- uh, number one contendership tournament to determine a new number one contender for Cuatro's PWR championship. Of course, after he is done with Ralph Imabayashi in that Matara Matibay match. So we'll, again, we'll go into that more as the, as the days go on. And yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening to the SGP podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you to all our friends who are support. Uh, thank you to you who have supported this, sh- who have supported this show from the very beginning, from uh, this week. Uh, if you have made it to this point, thank you very much. And we are out of here. Peace. Kendrick and Marky, galawan na'y swabe, datingan na'y grabe Malamangan lamang, sisikat pato sa araw, boy Tag team sobrang init para nag-aapoy May kalalagyan pag pinilit mo pa ang yung tapang Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.